Hi, my name is Molly, and I love all things ghoulish, macabre, spooky and paranormal. If you do too, then you'll love to tune in and listen to me, bringing you haunted tales from every county in the United Kingdom, and eventually beyond. Each week, I pick a county randomly from my ghost-haunted box, and bring to you a ghostly tale from that particular county. This week, we have been transported to the quaint county of Norfolk. So sit or lie back and let's get ghoulish. The current population of Norfolk is estimated to be 914,000. Norfolk is a ceremonial county in the east of England and East Anglia. It borders Lincolnshire and the Wash to the northwest, the North Sea to the north and east, Cambridgeshire to the west and Suffolk to the south. The largest settlement in the city is Norwich. Broads Wonderland Norfolk is home to the Norfolk Broads, a network of rivers and lakes with unique wildlife and picturesque landscapes. Birthplace of Horatio Nelson. Norfolk was the birthplace of Admiral Lord Nelson, a British naval hero famous for his victories in the Napoleonic Wars. Pedder's Way. It has one of the oldest roads in the world, Pedder's Way, which dates back to Roman times. Cromer Crab. Norfolk is renowned for its delicious Cromer Crab, a local delicacy enjoyed by seafood enthusiasts. Blickling Hall's Ghost. Blickling Hall is rumoured to be haunted by the ghost of Anne Boleyn, the second wife of King Henry VIII. Wells Next the Sea. Despite its name, Wells Next the Sea is not directly on the coast due to the changing course of the river. Walsingham's Religious Pilgrimage. Walsingham has been a major pilgrimage site since the medieval times, known for its religious shrines. Tallest Windmill. The village of Clay Next the Sea boasts the tallest windmill in England, standing at 88 feet. Sandringham House. The Sandringham estate serves as the private residence of the British royal family during Christmas. Holcombe Beach. Holcombe Beach is famous for its vast expanse of golden sand and has been featured in several films and TV shows. Seaside Spectacle. The town of Great Yarmouth hosts one of the oldest and largest seafront pleasure piers in England. Horton Hall Sculptures. Horton Hall features contemporary sculptures in its stunning grounds, blending modern art with historical architecture. Strangers Hall. Located in Norwich, Strangers Hall is a fascinating museum showcasing period rooms and historic artefacts.
Dragon Hall. Norwich has Dragon Hall, a medieval trading hall with a stunning dragon carving, symbolising the city's merchant prosperity. Windmanham Abbey. Windmanham Abbey has an impressive 200-foot tower and a rich history dating back to the 12th century. Norfolk Lavender. Norfolk is home to a lavender farm where visitors can explore beautiful lavender fields and learn about the plant's uses. Carrow Road. Norwich City Football Club Stadium, Carrow Road, has a unique location with one stand overlooking the river. Snettisham Park Deer Safari offers an exciting deer safari where visitors can get up close with herds of majestic deer. Muckleborough Military Collection A military museum near Weybourne featuring an extensive collection of tanks, artillery and military vehicles. Potty about potatoes. Norfolk is a major producer of potatoes and the local Norfolk Pier potato is particularly prized for its flavour. In this week's episode, we'll delve into eerie paranormal tales emerging from Norfolk, ranging from the widely known to the less familiar. Special thanks go to Great British Life, Norfolk Tours, B Norfolk and EPD 24. A family hoping for a holiday packed with sun, sea and sandcastles in Great Yarmouth were surprised to find a guest had already taken up residence in the caravan they had been renting for four days. An invisible entity which made it perfectly clear it wanted them to leave. A restless spirit plagued the Dunford family from Cambridgeshire when they visited Seashore Holiday Park in June of 1971 for a break in Caravan B77. The caravan was cold in patches. Family members were poked in the ribs and their dog refused to enter the van. When it was removed from its pitch, within six years, there was another incident in the same area in a new van with the same number. Spixworth Hall once boasted a host of ghosts. Visitors reported seeing a night watchman carrying a lantern who disappeared when spotted, and then a woman standing at the foot of guests' beds, carrying a candle, who also disappeared when seen. Finally, there were reports of shrieking, a phantom hearse driving to the hall at midnight, and pianos played in the night by ghostly fingers. Demolished in 1950, the night watchman was still being seen in the footprint of the site of Spixworth Hall in 1964. When the temperature dropped in the boiler room, Mr Pullinger knew what was about to happen. One might say it became somewhat of a habit. 
In what was once the main depot of Man, Egerton and Company, in Prince of Wales Road in Norwich, the ghost of a nun was seen in the 1940s and 1960s. In the EDP of December the 9th, 1960, the unusual sighting was noted and the witness, a Mr A.W.P. Pullinger of Tricks Road in Norwich, interviewed. Mr Pullinger, an engineer, was a, told a reporter that he had seen the ghost of a nun in the basement and then the boiler room of Man Egerton three times in one year and once before World War Two. Two churches stand side by side in the village of Kirby Beedon. One a ruin, the other standing, both haunted by the same ghost. A white lady riding a white horse. In the East Anglian Handbook of 1885, a story is told of a very tall woman in white, mounted on a white horse who rides slowly first around one churchyard and then the other. A ghost with a blood-soaked face that is said to haunt Rollsby is the blood the ghost's own or that of the victim the spirit murdered. Two ghosts are said to have haunted the since-demolished Rollsby Hall, a building which dated back to the mid-16th century and which finally fell to the wrecking ball in the 1950s, leaving only a garden wall and some outbuildings. Old Redface and his wife are, or were, seen, it was said, on the second Monday of each month at midnight, a day believed to have been linked with the tragedy at the hall. While they were essential to an enchanting Arabian night, magical carpets aren't just confined to folklore and far-flung lands. In Norfolk, the thread of a story of one such carpet in its Tudor home have been embroidered through the centuries from the 1700s. At Hunstanton Hall, a grey lady ghost has been seen, supposedly furious at the destruction of her beloved Persian carpet. Dame Armin Lestrange, who lived at the hall in the mid-18th century, loved the carpet so much, she made her feckless son Nicholas promise not to gamble it away after her death. Nailed into a wooden crate to protect it, the rug was left in a forgotten room until 1888, when the new mistress of the hall, Emmeline, started renovations. On finding the carpet, she decided, philanthropically, to cut it into rugs to distribute to the poor of Hunstanton. A mistake. The ghost of an older lady, grey, angry and unmistakably a Lestrange matriarch, began to appear in the hall, pacing the corridors at night. Scared, Emmeline and her husband, who knew of the legend, collected the pieces of carpet and had them sewn back together, but it was too late. 
A furious day Marmin is said to remain at the hall, still cut up about her cut-up carpet. For centuries, the Goat Inn at Strumpshaw was at the heart of village life. In 1908, the landlord's life, wife, Mrs Newton, took a fancy to a white goat brought to the pub by a passing peddler. She bought it, had it killed and had its head stuffed, mounted and placed behind the bar. There, old Capricorn, hung for 60 years, loved by some, hated by others who said the goat brought bad luck. In 1967, landlord Frank Walpole removed the head, claiming it was linked to a series of strange events, including mirrors flying off walls, a pub piano playing itself, and ghosts manifesting in the bar. A young man who touched the head died the next day. Other villagers claimed it was the removal that was linked to the activity, so... Capricorn was brought back. More bad luck followed, so Mr Walpole weighted the head and threw it into the river. Reed cutter Alfred Stone found the head and passed it to a friend, Dennis Lodes. More bad luck followed, and Mr Lodes hastily gave the head back to the goat inn. In August of 1972, the head was found in a shallow grave at Strumpshaw Gravel Pit and there would be no prizes awarded for what happened next. Awful events followed the discovery after which the trail went cold. Somewhere, the cursed goat's head of Strumpshaw lies, waiting to be found. It was when he approached the till that he noticed the shop was strangely old-fashioned. Despite it being 1973, the lady behind the desk was in Edwardian dress. The wonderfully named Mr Squirrel had popped into a great Yarmouth shop after a recommendation from a friend. When he stepped inside, he noticed it was completely silent and quaintly old-fashioned. He bought the envelopes he needed and left, returning a week later for more, at which point he found a totally different shop on a paved, not cobbled street, and an assistant who had no idea what envelopes he was talking about. None had been sold at the shop for decades. Had Mr Squirrel visited a ghost shop. In the eerie marshland in an isolated corner of the Fens stands a church which boasts an unusual ghost watched over by little wooden saints and imposing marble noblemen. The redundant church of St Mary the Virgin in Wigan Hall boasts its very own haunted organ. An article in Norfolk Fair in the summer of 1986 recalls the strange story of St Mary's haunted Victorian organ. An atmosphere of unease was said to pervade it when it was in use. What was so astonishing was that not any spectral apparition, but the fact that strange strains of organ music would be heard 
as if some outstanding performer was seated at the instrument. Upon investigation, however, no one could be found. Sometimes the organ behaved so erratically, the organist had to give up playing. On one occasion, workmen carrying out repairs to the fabric were scared out of their wits when the organ started playing off its own accord. They fled the church in panic and only with great difficulty were they persuaded to return. Another reminder of less pleasant times could be seen over a window on the Tuesday marketplace. Poor Margaret Reed was burned at the stake as a witch in 1590 and the heat was such that her heart burst from her body, hitting the building that stood there. Although the building has been altered, the spot is still marked by a heart in a diamond on the brickwork above a window. Black Shuck. It's official, Britain is a nation of dog lovers, unless that dog is Black Shuck. The spectral hound with a single fiery eye prowls across East Anglia, spotted everywhere from woods and lanes to coastal paths and bus stops. Midnight churchyards are a favourite haunt and Shuck seems particularly fixated on Cromer in North Norfolk. Sheringham Mermaid On a sandbank off Sheringham, a mermaid sang to the wandering stars, forlorn and all alone. One winter night it seemed her searching voice had an answering call. Echoing through the streets came the sweet sound of human voices raised in harmony amid cascading peals of church bells. Enchanted, she hauled herself onto the pebble beach. Her silvery fish's tail was cumbersome in the cold air, but the singing was so beautiful, she dragged her body inch by inch over the rough streets and into the church. But these were fishing folk, and mermaids are unpredictable creatures, agents of both fortune and disaster, changeable as the sea. Besides, they have no immortal soul, so the people were afraid and cast her out. The fiddling ghost of Binham Priory. Listen, the wind has dropped. Evening's soft shroud unfolds, all is held in wintry stillness, midnight. Is that the sound of distant music? A mournful tune is coming from deep underground, an aching melody of loss and regret. For in this place only the dead are unquiet. You're at Binham Priory, one of Norfolk's most magnificent ruins, Founded in 1091 by Peter Desvolans, William the Conqueror's nephew. For 400 years it was home to a small community of Benedictine monks, led by a succession of scandalous priors. In the early 1300s, 
Prior William de Somerton's obsession with alchemy plunged Binham into debt. Church treasures sold off to fund occult experiments. In 1539, Henry VIII gave the monastery to Sir Thomas Paston, who pulled it apart to build a house. Demolition continued under Paston's grandson, Edward, until fall falling masonry killed a workman, surely an ill omen, and so the rest fell into ruin, left to weather time and ghosts. The Phantom Drummer Boy of Hickling Broad All summer long, Hickling Broad teams with holiday makers from across the world, their pleasure boats and canoes crowding the waterways, Yet in winter the tourists leave, boatyards are shut and a wilder elemental beauty rises like dawn mist. Pale whispering reeds sway in elegant dances and paths and boardwalks are all yours. Boats are moored tight against wooden keys, masts clinking in easterly winds. When iron grey cold grips the landscape, the broads freeze. Stop for a moment. In the clean air, there's the sound of a drum. Slow and steady, carried on the wind. It's an age-old story of forbidden love. Two hundred years ago, a carefree drummer boy fell in love with a sweet-natured girl. But the boy was poor and the girl's father was rich and proud. He ordered his daughter never to see the lowly drummer boy again. But true love will not be denied, so the lovers married in secret. Each night they met on the banks of the broad, and when arctic chill turned the water to ice, the boy would skate slowly across, beating his drum, signalling to his young wife. Wrapped against the bitter cold she waited, her heart beating in tandem with the soft rhythm of his drum. One night, the ice cracked like a gunshot and the beat stopped forever. Brother Pacificus of Ranworth Deep in the Norfolk Broads, close to where the Anton Boom rivers meet, is the ruined abbey of St Benet at home. It's a remote place for peaceful souls to paint, read and watch the boats go by. Surrounded by lonely marshes, it suited the reclusive order of black-cowled monks who dwelt here for centuries. The Abbey was the only religious house in England to survive Henry VIII's disillusion of the monasteries. Although nonetheless, by 1540, the last monk had gone, all but one, who's seen here still. It said gentle brother Pacificus was given the task of mending an ornate screen at St Helen's Church in Ranworth. At dawn he would row across Ranworth Broad to St Helens and at the end of each day he would row back to the abbey, his little dog panting eagerly at the prow. One evening he returned to find his brother monks had been savagely murdered 
by Henry VIII's soldiers. Devastated, Brother Pacificus lingered alone at the stricken abbey until his death when mourning villagers laid him to rest at St Helens, the church he loved so well. The fairies and heighter sprites of Blakeney. In the Middle Ages, along with Wyveton and Clay, Blakeney was one of the prosperous Glaven ports, sheltered by the long sandy spit of Blakeney Point. These busy harbours jostled with ships taking sheep and salt fish to the low countries. And when the Spanish Armada threatened England, the Glaven port set 36 ships to join Drake's fleet. Eventually, silt blocked the sea channels and only small nimble craft could navigate the marsh, the kind used by smugglers. It's said beneath Blakeney's narrow streets where so many old fishermen's cottages are now second homes, there's a maze of tunnels created by gangs who once held sway along the North Norfolk coast. But those underground labyrinths are home to even more elusive beings. Hikey sprites or heighter sprites are rare creatures who haunt woods and marshlands at dusk. Peculiar to Norfolk's strange liminal places, described by some as spider-like, scuttling on spindly legs, by others as flying on leathery wings. It's said they'll suck your blood and steal away children who wander out onto the marsh after dark. Parents warn, if you go out alone, the heighter sprites will get you. Though there are also folk tales of hikies bringing lost children safely home. It seems like fairies, sprites are nothing if not unpredictable. She-Wolf of Castle Rising. Castle Rising, located close to Kingslyn, was built during the 12th century. The castle is renowned for serving as the home of Queen Isabella, who lived there between 1330 and 1358. And it is said her spirit still wanders through portions of the keep today. Queen Isabella, who was married to and supposedly involved in the death of, King Edward II bought Castle Rising in 1330 and lived there for 25 years. While the ruins of the castle are still standing, it is best to visit in the daylight as the evil queen's cackling laughter is said by some to still be heard around the grounds. While Queen Isabella had a number of nicknames such as Isabella the Fair, her most famous moniker is the She-Wolf of France. Some believe that the Queen has the ability to become a wolf and roam around the castle's grounds. Blickling Hall. King Henry VIII's second wife, Anne Boleyn, is said to haunt her ancestral home on the anniversary of her execution. Once the clock strikes midnight, her ghost appears in a coach drawn by a headless horseman with her own head on her lap. According to the story, 
Her father, Sir Thomas, is also said to haunt the grounds too. The Witch of East Somerton Built in the 15th century, only the tower and walls of the nave of St Mary's Church remain. Legend tells of a witch who was buried alive in the nave of the church by the villagers of East Somerton, and her wooden leg grew into a massive oak tree which destroyed the church. Today, the oak tree remains in the centre of a ruined church, and visitors to the site should be warned that walking around the tree three times will release her spirit, or so the story goes. St Benet's Abbey St Benet's has been gathering stories of ghosts and ghouls for thousands of years. In its heyday, the abbey, which was founded by a Viking king, owned land and property across Norfolk. Its grand church was surrounded by accommodation, kitchens, a hospital, gardens and fish ponds. The first of many stories are of Christian hermits, slaughtered by Viking raiders. A monk named Esric agreed to open the heavy doors to Norman invaders if he could become an abbot. He let them in, was pronounced an abbot, and promptly hung for his perfidy. The events are said to play out again and again, and if you are passing at midnight, cover your ears and eyes against the final agony of the shrieking monk of St Benet's. Baconsthorpe Castle Visitors to the castle ruins often wander through the shattered remains to the moat, at which point for some the silence is broken by the unmistakable sound of stones breaking the still waters as if thrown from some height. Confused by the ripples, Visitors turn to see where the stones hail from, only to catch sight of a ghostly sentry or medieval soldier standing on the castle walls, throwing stones as if to pass the time. Although startled, no one has ever reported feeling threatened by the stone-throwing spirit, and so he remains on guard at Baconsthorpe, waiting for his order to stand down. Hainford Old Church. A few people have reported Hainford Church as their spookiest place in Norfolk, but the village also has another story. Reported by Weird Norfolk, on August the 27th, 1971, a Mr Philip Arthur was driving to his home in New Hainford along the Cromer New Road at around 9pm. He passed Norwich Airport and was around a mile from his house when he saw something strange hovering low over the fields. A glowing, bright, orange-domed disc, which has been said to be a flying saucer. Gresson Hall Farm and Workhouse Men, women and children all worked at Gresson Hall Farm and Workhouse from a very young age in pretty harsh poverty conditions, working endless hours of hard graft. 
There are reports of wailing noises through the corridors at night said to be coming from the punishment cell. It is rumoured that these wails are, are those of Harriet, a rebellious child worker who was often in trouble for violent behaviour. Felbrick Hall Felbrick Hall is a 17th century country house that is believed to be haunted by the ghost of William Wyndham III, the phantom bibliophile. William is said to have risked his life around 200 years ago trying to rescue books after a fire broke out, only to succumb to his injuries a few weeks later. It is said that he still visits visits his extensive library to read the books he didn't get the chance to when he was alive. Legend says that when an exact combination of books is placed in the library chair, his ghost will appear. Concluding our Norfolk expedition, we've unravelled tales of witches, a mysterious black shuck, a haunting she-wolf, a captivating mermaid, and the lingering spectre of ghostly lovers. This journey seamlessly intertwines history with the supernatural, offering a nuanced glimpse into Norfolk's fascinating past. Before I go, let's see where the ghost haunted box has chosen for us to investigate next. And it is Northumberland. Join me next week on Friday, the 26th of January, to find out what I have discovered about the county of Northumberland. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Ghost Haunted with Molly or my username which is Hauntologist1. If you value my efforts and wish to show your support, you can leave a kind tip in my ghostly tip jar. Both links found in my Spotify description box. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next week, stay curious, stay cautious, and never let your guard down. For the realm of the unknown is always closer than we think.